morning. Dave's actually done my introduction there, so that's absolutely fine. That's good. Um, just to, if you're out there and you're thinking, Jeff, it's not a very common name, you'd be very right. I looked at a little bit of research the other day and only 12 people born in the UK last year were called Jeff. So, yeah, we are sadly along with the Garys, the Rowlands and the Roys of this world becoming quite an endangered species. So, um, yeah, you've got a very rare, a rare Jeff up here this morning. Okay. I am, um, I'm in that age where I'm sort of going between do I need reading glasses or do I not? So I'm quite... I think if I stand here, I'm all right, but if I move closer, I might have to put them on. But um, I've, I've hit that age where readers are essential, so I may have to put them on at some point if it becomes a bit blurry for me. So, anyway. Um, every year, for the last couple of years, we've gone on holiday to uh, France, and this year we went camping in Brittany, and every year I have the joy of um, trying to find the cheapest and best travel insurance possible. Has anyone had that joy? And then also linked with that is um, the joy of finding European breakdown cover as well for our van that is loaded up to the hill. I think there's a picture of our van um, coming up in a minute that you can see. There you go. That's why we need European breakdown cover. Five bikes, many bags, and tents and stuff like that. Very well packed. Um, and that's what Jeff's are good at, packing vans. So. There you go. Um, so as you know, it takes an eternity to fill out these forms, and you have to list all of your family's medical ailments, which, as our family, we have quite a few. And the older I get, we have a few more. So, um, and, and when you have to do this form, you have all these different conditions that you get back when you get the medical form back. And it says things like, um, you must do this, you must not do that, you must have this, you must never do that, you may need to do this, it is your responsibility to ensure that you do that, and you are covered for this, but you are sadly not covered for that. So I thought I'd bring along, um, I might need some glamorous assistance of uh, Adam and Rachel. This is um, my travel insurance from this year, and I just wanted to... Um, it should hopefully, it should hopefully um, come apart. This is for one trip to uh, France. I am going to recycle this, don't worry. And I didn't use church ink, so, okay. Yeah, next week's offering is for paper. Um, <laughs> okay. So we have these massive, massive agreements with all these different small prints in, and we have to agree with everything despite not really knowing what we are agreeing to. And uh, I was just thinking that I've probably signed away my life, my wife, my car, my kidneys, probably everything without even realizing that I've done it. And, um, and in modern life, everything that we have seems to come with all of these different conditions. And it is really, really refreshing when we read the Bible and we find that there is something available that comes to us without these conditions. Free, unconditional love. And that is what 
I'm looking at this morning as part of this um, series that we're looking at, the life that we were made for. And if we are to live a life of love, we need to understand and live out the unconditional love that we have when we choose to follow Jesus. So, this is what the, the sort of worldly definition of unconditional love is. Simply put, it is love without strings attached. I think it'll come up. Okay? Love without strings attached. It's love you offer freely. You don't base it on what someone does for you in return. You simply love them and want nothing more than their happiness. And sometimes this type of love is sometimes called compassionate or agape love. And it might sound somewhat familiar. Because in the Christian terms, which is the next slide, unconditional love is love that doesn't depend on the attitudes or actions of the beloved. It is a self-sacrificing love which finds its ultimate expression in Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Okay, and we read this in Romans 5 verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so this unconditional love that I'm talking about tears up the norm and it replaces it with one simple act of love. So if you imagine just tearing up all of those conditions and all of the conditions of the world that we see, that is the only condition. That is the only condition that we need when we follow Jesus, that he loves us. And the greatest example, or indeed a very practical representation of unconditional love comes right at you the very instant that you either become a parent or you become the owner of a mischievous pet. So I've got three kids and a rabbit, and believe me, my level of unconditional love has been tested from time to time over the last 16 years or so. They're not with me this morning, so it's great and I can talk about them, um, unless they watch the live stream, but anyway. Let me give you a few examples. The time my daughter Anna, aged only a few years, decided to pull off her nappy and wipe poo all over her room, her face, her windowsill, her cot, her curtains and her walls. She was a very curious artist from a very early age. It, was, um, it resulted in extremely deep stained carpets and walls that took endless scrubbing to get them clean. Um, I think there's a picture of my daughter, not in that, but um, that was when she was caught shoplifting from the co-op in Burnham Field at the age <laughs> of three. Um, she stole a packet of lockets. And um, I thought it would be funny to give her the whole sign in front of her anyway, just a reminder of it when she gets married or something like that. Anyway. So, then there was a time all three of my children stood several times in the same bit of paint that I had painted one morning, okay? So, I was painting this plinth between the um, patio door and the deck in our house as we were getting ready to sell it. So, I gave them the warning. I gave them the dad at work warning. I got everything out and I, I, I communicated with them all. I think Caroline was out for the day and I said, look, I am going to be painting this really important bit of wood and you guys just need to keep away from it for the morning. Okay. So despite all of that, and despite all three of them witnessing me doing the task, 
I even put a chair out in front of the door so they couldn't walk through it and a wet paint sign. Guess what happened? Yeah. They walked through it a total of eight times between them that morning. Uh, one of them left footprints across the entire garden deck. The other decided that when he'd walked through the house, it was maybe time to take off and hide his um, paint-covered socks in the wash basket, having seen his footprints appearing behind him and starting to go up the stair carpet as well. And, uh, yeah, I, would, I was probably what you would describe as a total mess that day. Uh, I was slightly concerned that my neighbours were going to call social services on the eighth time that I'd shouted really, really loudly. Um, and I was about ready to explode and probably should have gone into therapy, but anyway. And then there's our rabbit, Rolo. He's lovely, he looks great. Um, the time he ate a hole in my newly laid artificial grass. Again, trying to sell the house, making it look good. Artificial grass went down. He decided to eat a massive hole in it. Then the time we were packing like that to go on holiday that you saw and I had my breakfast on the garden wall as I was loading all the stuff in he decided to eat my entire bagel and take it back into his hutch and then there's the time he dug his teeth and claws into our lovely sofa while he was just sitting on the back of it watching the TV um, all the many times that he has decided that our next door neighbour's garden is a much better prospect for life and nicked off through the hedge but with all these things, and particularly when I have eventually calmed down, which does happen in the end, it doesn't change the way that I love my children, or indeed the pet rabbit. I did research rabbit pie recipes once, but... And despite all of the mess, and all of the heartache, the denial, the stubborn stains, the effort, the cleaning up, the chasing after them, I still love them exactly the same. And this is the message that is so clear when we encounter Jesus and we come to know him as our father and friend. And this is the message that I believe God just wants to help us grasp this morning and particularly why I felt I was reminded about that story of the painted plinth in the house because like that paint story, despite our multitude of mess and sin, and despite the times we've turned our backs and run away, despite how many times we've returned to the same sin, despite the thoughts and actions of our bodies and minds, we have a Father whose love never changes, and a Father who waits with open arms to welcome us back with his warm embrace. Now, in saying this, I just want to be clear at this point that just as in our human relationships, and we all have them, there are boundaries. There are boundaries which, if crossed, can alter or change the terms of the relationship. And if they're not repented of, they can, of course, place us outside of the fullness of the relationship that we have with Jesus. But even in our unrepentant state, his love for us never changes. His love for us never changes. The relationship may change, but his love remains the same. I'm sure we're very familiar with the prodigal son. Everyone read the story. It's a familiar Sunday school one. And the parable of the prodigal son is found in Luke 15, uh, 11 to 32. 
And the character of the forgiven father who remains constant throughout the story is a picture of God. The image right at the start of my talk that we saw of the, uh, of the father and the son is a depiction of that story. And in telling the story, Jesus identifies himself with God in his loving attitude towards the lost, symbolized by the younger son. But the major theme of this parable is not so much the conversion of the sinner as in the previous two parables of Luke 15, but rather the restoration of the believer into fellowship with the father. And in the first two parables, the owner went out to look for what was lost. We see that in Luke 15, uh, 1 to 10. Whereas in this story, the father waits and watches eagerly for his son's return. And we see in this story the graciousness of the father overshadowing the sinfulness of the son. As it is the memory of the father's goodness and relationship that brings the prodigal son to repentance. And we read that in Romans 3.23. And it is the recognition that we are all prodigals and that we have run from God. Selfishly squandered our resources and to some degree we've, we've even wallowed in sin. But God is ready to forgive. He will save the contrite, not by works but by his grace through faith. We read that in Ephesians, Romans, and Psalms. This is the core message of the parable of the prodigal son. Now I want to show you a little video. You may have seen this before, but hopefully you haven't. We watched it in our men's life group um, last week or a couple of weeks ago, and we've also used it in some of our youth material as well. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of context before we play the video so that you can understand the situation you're about to witness. Um, wrong page. So on, this, um, on the night of September the 6th, 2018, a 26-year-old accountant, Botham Jean, was murdered in Dallas, Texas by an off-duty police department patrol officer, Amber Geiger. And she entered Jean's apartment and fatally shot him. Geiger, who said that she had entered Jean's apartment believing it was her own and believing Jean to be a burglar, was initially charged with manslaughter. The absence of a murder charge led to protests and accusations of racial bias because Jean, an unarmed black man, was killed in his own home by a white off-duty police officer who had apparently disregarded all of her police protocols. And on November the 30th, 2018, Geiger was indicted on a charge of murder. And on October the 1st, 2019, she was found guilty of murder and was sentenced to 10 years imprisonment the following day. And we joined this video clip just after she'd been sentenced with Botham Jean's brother about to provide a statement at the close of the case. I don't want to... say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just I hope you 
go to God with all what all the guilt all the things the bad things you may have done in the past each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do if you truly are sorry I know I can speak for myself I I forgive you and I know if you go to God and ask him he will forgive you and I don't think anyone could say it again I'm speaking for myself not even bad for my family but I love you just like anyone else and I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did but I see I I personally want the best for you and I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone but I don't even want you to go to jail I want the best for you because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do and the best would be give your life to Christ I'm not gonna say anything else I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do again I love you as a person and I don't wish anything bad on you I don't know if this is possible but can, can I give her a hug please please yes now but I still get quite emotional about it um, what we see in this video is a modern-day representation of the story of the prodigal son and an example of the most amazing unconditional love and uh, the words of forgiveness are powerful enough when he says I forgive you but that physical embrace shown by Botham Jean's brother just takes it to another level, a level that Jesus wants us to get our head around when it comes to our sin, how he sees us, and how we need to see ourselves when we are children of the one true Father. 
And I just think, like, the attitude of this man's forgiveness for the woman who killed his brother just strips away all of the conditions that the world would like to see happen to this woman. And it simply replaces it with a deep love for her. Can you imagine the impact of that moment and what it had and did on that lady's life, yet alone the people in the courtroom that day? And just to be clear, I'm not condoning whatever the lady did on that fateful evening, and she rightfully has to face the consequences of her actions. But I believe in that moment that that moment itself will have a greater impact on her than any prison sentence that has been handed to her, having been lavished with the love and mercy of Jesus. So let's just pause for a moment before we move on. Do we, in our weakness, in our everyday lives, fully grasp the unconditional, never-changing love that Jesus has for us? Have we experienced the warm embrace of the Father, our forgiving Father? And do we acknowledge that no amount of sin or dirt or mess or anything can separate us from the love of God? And there's the verses in Romans 8, 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And scripture shares several examples of people who showed unconditional love towards others, including Jesus himself. But one of the most uh, revealing examples of unconditional love appears in one of my favorite characters in the Bible, who is Joseph, in the last few chapters of Genesis. And Joseph had been deeply, deeply hurt by many people. His brothers tried to kill him, and then they sold him into slavery. And that would be enough to catapult anyone into lifelong bitterness. And then Potiphar's wife framed Joseph for doing the right thing and turning down her advances. Add to the story how Pharaoh's cupbearer forgot Joseph in prison. Talk about stress. Joseph's life could have been defined by deep sorrow and bitterness over betrayal and neglect. But it wasn't. Ultimately, Joseph forgave everyone who hurt him. And after his rise to power, he showed his true colours. True character shines through in how we handle our success as much as our failures. And if we study Joseph's word when he revealed himself to his brothers after being away for over 20 years from them, Joseph shows what unconditional love looks like. God enables us to have that same kind of love to other people who have hurt us. One of the hardest things I ever witnessed when I watch the news is the heartbreak of bitterness and unforgiveness that people carry with them their whole lives. 
you often see that, uh, particularly at the end of like a public inquiry or a trial, statements like, I hope they rot in hell or I will never, ever forgive them for what they do or did to my family. And even though I understand the pain, when I hear those remarks, I can just see in their faces, in their bodies, the pain that they will have to carry for the rest of their lives and quite often into future generations. We all as human beings have human heart and our reactions to being hurt can and will live with us for a very long time and quite often we just want someone to take responsibility for our pain. That is a natural thing. And forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is often a very long process. Learning to love others who have deeply hurt us is an action of the heart that we need to go through as followers of Jesus who are commanded to forgive. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be a quick or easy, but unless we are willing to go on that journey, we will not find the full freedom and peace that Christ has promised us. We read in the story of Joseph, Joseph in um, Genesis 45, 5-7, Joseph says this to his brothers, Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. To preserve you, to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And in that statement, Joseph turns the narrative on its head in forgiving his brothers and freeing them from their guilt, acknowledging that in that moment of sin when they threw him into that pit and sold him into slavery, that it was not the end of the story, but it was the means to the beginning of a new one that God intended for good. God can even turn our hurt and our pain into good. That is the God that we have. And then he says this. It says this in Genesis 14 to 15. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. And then again we see the example of that intimate embrace. The same embrace that we hear about in the story of the prodigal son. The embrace we've just witnessed in that video. The embrace that myself as a father quite often does to my children over and over again. It's an embrace that says, I love you despite what you've done. I love you. And it's the demonstration of a physical action in the same way that Jesus died a physical death for each one of us on the cross. So God wants to remind us of his unconditional love for us this morning so that we as his disciples can love others in a way that is counterculture to the world that we live in. So I've got just five little things that I just felt like God wanted to just for us to just focus on this morning and respond to. So just as we go through each point, I'm just going to leave a little bit of space and I'm going to just invite the Holy Spirit to come and just to speak to us about each of these things. Because I'm sure there will be something in all of them that resonates with us. So Father, I just invite your Holy Spirit to just, just rest in this place, Lord, on each one of us. Thank you that you are already here. But Lord, we just ask for more of you. And we just ask, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts.
So in order to demonstrate Christ's unconditional love to the world around us, we want to be people who are, and this is the first one, able to forgive others. So this morning, are we, are we carrying any guilt and shame that prevents us from living in freedom to forgive ourselves? Sorry. Are we carrying any guilt and shame that prevents us from living in the freedom that Christ has for us? We've got that amazing Bible verse over there, John 8, 36. When the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And I just believe that this morning that this freedom is the key to us being able to love others and allowing God to help us to see through his eyes and not our own. So maybe that's for you this morning. Are you able to forgive yourself for the things you've done, for the mistakes you've made? Maybe have a little think about that for a moment. And then secondly, are we able to forgive others are we carrying any unforgiveness in our hearts this morning towards those who have hurt us and for some this may be painful and deep rooted but Jesus is calling us into a journey of forgiveness so that we can be set free from the chains that bind us and our attitude towards those who have hurt us and as with every journey it needs to begin somewhere We know that the destination is ultimately full forgiveness, even if we don't feel like that when we first set off. And maybe this morning, Jesus is inviting you onto a journey of forgiveness that needs to begin somewhere and in some way. So Father, if that's for us this morning, I just pray you will speak to our hearts. And help us on that journey. And thirdly, God wants us to be people who are compassionate towards others. Do we see others in the way that Jesus sees them? Knowing how Jesus loves in his unconditional love, the embrace of the Father, how can we learn to love others with that same kind of love? Do we let the outward appearance, the complicated lives, the conditions, the identity, the body odor or the mess get in the way? of loving others around us. Let's just take a moment to think about that. We live in a world full of, of people who are crying out to be loved and accepted. And the word compassion is summed up 
as to suffer with or to get alongside others in their struggles or difficulties? Is there a particular area of compassion that God wants to lay on your heart this morning? gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and rich in love and then the fourth one love without conditions thinking about all the conditions that we're so used to in the world are we willing to love others but only if the conditions or the terms are right maybe we'll only forgive someone if they're willing to say sorry first Maybe we only choose to love those who share the same values, the same status, the same beliefs as ourselves. And there's a lie of the enemy that is that we have to agree with everyone to love them, but we don't. The world might tell us otherwise, but God wants us to love everyone so who or what does God want to say to you this morning about this? And then finally, love when it's hard to love. I'm sure we all have individuals, family members, colleagues, or groups of people that we find hard to love. Maybe they just rub us up the wrong way. Maybe they're just difficult to be around. And I believe that God wants to challenge us this morning on how we love those people. Maybe this will lead us to a practical response, an embrace or an act of kindness as a response to Jesus' unconditional love for us. John 13, 34 to 35, I give you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you so that you also might love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. If we can read that commandment this morning and grasp this as we head out the doors, the love that we carry will have a huge impact on others. And Jesus is inviting us to love others in the same unconditional way that he loves us. So as we close, let us just reflect on the many times that Jesus has cleaned up our mess and welcomed us back into his arms. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't experienced God's unconditional love before and you'd like to accept Jesus into your heart this morning for the first time or as a recommitment of your faith. If you would like to make that first step of opening the door to Jesus, then please pray this prayer with me and it will come up on the screen. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins and ask for your forgiveness. 
please come into my heart as my Lord and Saviour, take control of my life, and help me to walk into your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for answering my prayer. Amen. And this is the first step in the adventure of following Jesus and finding abundant life and fulfillment. And we would love to help you to start well. So please, if you've said that prayer this morning in your heart or under your breath or whatever, we would uh, love to catch up with you, one of the teams. So please come and let us know that you have said that this morning.